0: So it was uh, 1962 in uh, Newport, Rhode Island. President Kennedy was speaking to. Uh, he was speaking at the America's Cup dinner. So these would have like, uh, I guess, like competitive sailing. And uh, he's in this room full of uh, sailors. He himself was a sailor. And he had this prepared speech which he was delivering and then he uh, he kind of went off text and he started to talk about his love uh, of the ocean and his love of the water and this is what he said i really don't know why it is that all of us are so drawn to the sea maybe it's the fact that the sea changes and the light and ships change maybe it's the fact that all of us have in our veins the exact same percentage of salt in our blood that exists in the ocean. And therefore, we have salt in our blood and in our sweat and tears. So, in some respect, we all come from the sea. Maybe that's it. We're tied to the ocean. And when we go back to the sea, whether it's to sail it or just to watch it, we're going back from whence we came. Kind of hard not to be inspired by him, his, uh, his ability to communicate. Um, but it's that last line that I think is interesting. Going back from whence we came. I'm not even talk, I'm not talking about his point about the water and the ocean. It's just this idea of returning to a place. That once was really important and really defining in your life. And for whatever reason, you kinda gotten away from it and now you're going back. Kennedy's thought was, yeah, like, because of that whole soul thing, like, we're, without even knowing it, we're kinda drawn back to it. The whole idea of going back It's all over the Gospels during these weeks of Easter. Jesus is risen from the dead and people keep showing up. And then they keep going back to certain places. Easter Sunday, the ladies went to the tomb. They were gonna take care of his body. Well, his body was gone. But there's an angel there and the angel says, what are you doing here among the dead? The angel says, "Uh, go to Galilee. That's where you're gonna find them. And they go and they do. And then the Gospel we just heard, These two guys are walking along, two disciples, heartbroken, Good Friday has just happened. They can't believe the horror of it. And then at a certain point, not right away, but at a certain point, it clicks and they realize it's him. And as soon as that happens, it says they go back to Jerusalem. Everybody's going going back to these places. They're being kind of sent back. Why Galilee? Why Jerusalem? Because that's where he was. Because that's where it all began for them. It doesn't mean we have to go to Jerusalem. It doesn't mean we have to go to Galilee. But I think it means this. We're supposed to go back to the places that inspired us or the time that inspired us the place we fell in love, the place and the time when uh, our dreams were kind of born. Go back to what you know is true. That's what these two guys do in this gospel. That's what the, the women did at the tomb. They went back to what they knew was true. You know, I've mentioned before up here that um, probably more than you care to hear that I'm a big um, U2 fan, the group, I love, I love, I love that band and uh, I really, when I was in college in the 80s and seminary in the 80s and 90s, uh, I really, really loved them. In the 1980s, they had some great albums. The Joshua Tree is kind of considered one of the great albums of all time, but it wasn't just that one. They had a a string of just really, really great music in the 80s, and then uh, 1993, they put this album out called Zuropa, and it was very different, very not U2, very kind of experimental sound. And I remember hating it. I was like, who is this? And I wasn't alone. I think kind of like a U2 purist, were are like, what, what's, the, what's going on here? Four years after that, they come out with another album. It was called Pop. P.O.P., and that was worse than the one before it. It was even more like funky, more like, it was almost like this techno dance kind of music. We, oh my God, we were like, what, what's happened? Where did you two go? Where did they wander off to? Three years after that, they put out an album called uh, All That You Can't Leave Behind, and we loved it. We totally loved it. It was this return. It was this return to, you know, their sound, their music, their roots. It was sort of like they found themselves. Well, that's the way we interpreted it, like they kind of remembered who they were. You know, Bono might have a different opinion on it, But we were like, oh my God, they're finally back. They've returned. It's these Gospels. It's these Easter Gospels. It's today. Soon as they realized these two guys, they recognized Jesus at the table, at the meal, at the Eucharist. It says they set out at once and returned to Jerusalem. They were going to Emmaus, because they were done because Good Friday was a horror show, and everything that they believed in, everything that they committed their lives to, blew up. So it says they were going to Emmaus. Well, Emmaus was a kind of an interesting place. It was almost like a, like a vacation destination. They said it was like a, it was a Roman spa, a place for comfort and escape. Emmaus was like a like a cruise, like a, like a decadent cruise ship where you just eat like an animal and you're just lounging and drinking and total escape. Emmaus was like Vegas. I get it, I get why these guys wanted to go to M- Emmaus. I get why they wanted to, a Vegas experience because of, they were so disillusioned. I mean, don't we all do that? when Good Friday moments happen to us, when our lives are blown up and we're crushed by something or someone or both, don't you wanna run from it? I mean, how, why would we not? Why, why would we wanna sit with it? We escape to Emmaus to get away from whatever it is that's hurting. But I think these Gospels are saying, you know what, slow down, slow down on that, Escape. I understand why you want to run, but don't. In fact, he says, go back. Go back to the place where it all began, where the the, the first sparks happened in your life, when you were kind of at your best. We all want to run from struggle. I mean, of course we do, but we shouldn't always. Not if we listen to these words this way. Go back. You know, uh, during Holy Week in uh, Pittsburgh, uh, the church, the diocese in Pittsburgh, they put out this statement. They kind of put, blasted it out to all the people and Catholics in Pittsburgh. It was a response to a questions and calls that were coming into the church. It was all about the same thing. It was about Good Friday. The pirates, the Pittsburgh pirates, they're opening game opening home opener was on Good Friday. They were playing the White Sox. So these people who were going to the game wanted like a a pass. They wanted to be able to drink some beers and have some hot dogs on Good Friday, which we're not supposed to be doing on Good Friday, right? So they asked for a dispensation. So this was the response. We've received inquiries about whether the church will dispense from fasting and abstinence on Good Friday because of the Pittsburgh Pirates' home opener. For Catholics, Good Friday is unlike any other Friday of the year. It's the day that Jesus hung on the cross, paving the way for our salvation. Fasting and abstinence is part of what we practice communally that day out of respect, reverence, and deep gratitude for God's sacrifice and love. We wish the Pirates well, and we will be rooting for them with all of Pittsburgh. But we also need to hold the priority importance of Good Friday. It's an essential part of the most sacred time of the year for all Christians. Nothing should take precedence, not even the Pirates. I added that little part at the end. (laughs) good for the church in Pittsburgh. And hey, I get it. You know, if I had, somebody gave me, said, hey, I got uh, two tickets, or so four tickets to the Met home opener, and it was Good Friday. I mean, I have to work on Friday, so I couldn't go. <laughs> but maybe I'd get like a go incognito, so I wouldn't be seen if I could get off. But like, I mean, I get the, but like, what am I gonna do? Am I just gonna kind of blow off the fast thing? We'll just pretend there's no good Friday this year. I mean, you think about like how lame we've become. <sighs> like one day out of 365, there's a one day when we're supposed to kind of like suck it up and kind of focus on that and him and struggle and sacrifice. And look how we like, we're dodging. We're looking for a, a get out of jail free card because it'll, it'll interfere with the, the home opener. And I think these Gospels are saying, yeah, I I get it, but like, maybe not. We all wanna be at the home opener. We all wanna be at Emmaus. We all wanna be at Vegas or whatever our Emmaus looks like. And nobody really wants to kind of acknowledge Good Friday and maybe even the, the meaning behind it. For us, when bad stuff happens, to try to become a better person because of it, not just flee from it. I got a friend of mine who's a uh, teacher. I met him when I was at the high school at St. Anthony's 20 something years ago. And he was a very brand new, pretty much a brand new teacher then. Great guy, his name is Jeremy and he, uh, English teacher. And back then, um, he's he's now teaching in the public schools, but back then there was this uh, English teacher, older guy who was very respected very much a mentor to this guy, Jeremy. And he was old school, this guy, he, uh, it was his second career, he was a corporate guy, left that, became a teacher, great teacher, but like, he had expectations. And he just sorta of like, hey, this is kinda, of, is the way we're gonna do it, and they learned, and they really kinda of loved him, but he was tough. And Jeremy was telling me not too long ago that that, that guy, Pete, who was the, the great old teacher, he's since died, But Jeremy was talking about teaching today and how tough it is. Parents who are just pushing for, I want my kid on the honor roll. Well, your kid isn't even close to the honor roll. Yeah, but he needs to be on the honor roll to get into school. Well, start working and maybe you'll make the honor roll. But like, don't ask me to up your grade because you need to have a whatever. So he's got, parents upset with them, kids who, you know, who act in disrespectful ways, because that's totally the way they talk to their parents. So they're like, they're shocked when they're in school and they mouth off to a teacher, and the teacher's like, whoa, whoa, you don't talk that way. You don't use that language. You don't use that tone of voice. And kids aren't used to hearing that. It's not even their fault. They've got lazy parents who don't want to, you know, raise their kids, takes work. Anyway, this guy Jeremy's like, you know what I do when I start to feel the pressure of all of that craziness? I think about Pete Clark, that mentor, and I kind of go back. He goes back in his mind to the way that guy did it, and he's like, no, I'm not compromising. I'm not backing down here. It's this going back to the truth thing. And I'm not saying go on some weird retro where we were walking around like living in 1980 when it's not, there's it an episode of, uh, you know, the show uh, The King of Queens, uh, Kevin James, he plays this guy, Doug Heffernan, who's like this likable idiot. And um, this one episode, it's uh, his high school reunion. So he goes back, he's like a, you know, a 40-year-old guy going back to his high school reunion. And uh, he's like, he's acting like he's 16 again. Adam Sandler is a guest on the show and he plays a uh, a classmate of Doug Heffernan's. And the two of them are like, oh, their principal from when they were kids is still the principal. And they couldn't stand them then and they still can't stand them. And it's like, we're adults now, but they go a little crazy. They go out to a 7-Eleven and they get a carton of eggs and they go. They go. Let's go find his car. Let's egg it. So they're in the parking lot and they're egging the guy's car. And then, in the middle of it, Doug Heffernan's like realizes, like, what? What? What are we doing here? And Adam Sandler's gone completely. He's like, trash in the car. Doug cat catches himself. I'm not saying go back to that. I'm saying go back to the truth of yesterday. Not the not the mistakes of yesterday. Go back to the right Jerusalem, when we were at our best. I'm thinking, hey, like a marriage that's now 30-whatever years old and it's kinda lost some of its spark and it's kinda run out of gas and you both know it, nobody's really saying it, but you kinda know it. Well, go back, go back to when you're like, "Man, man, when we weren't this way, we enjoyed each other's company. And I'm not saying go back and act like you're 25 when you're 50, but the truth of when you were 25, when you fell in love with each other, visit that, revisit that, that's Jerusalem. Or maybe it's your job, it's, your, it's career, and I'm, I'm just cutting corners, I've lost the spark. Well, go find it as much as possible. Maybe it's, a, it's our faith. Yeah, I've kinda of gotten lazy, I'm like, I'm looking to have hot dogs and beer on Good Friday. What? What the heck am I thinking here? I got to go back. Go back to what's true. What's your Jerusalem? What, should you, what is your Jerusalem? Each of us. None of us has the same. But we've all got it. Some truth, some time that stole your heart. You know that album, that U2 album, that kind of the, the, you know, the return album? All That You Can't Leave Behind. That was the name of it. All That You Can't Leave Behind. Man, is there something that you've left behind that's true? Well, if you have, go back and get it.